0: And it's with that in mind that we find our text in Matthew 26 today, a few verses in Matthew 26, which if you've ever been in a communion service, whether here or somewhere else, you will probably find recognizable as we read them. Matthew 26, verses 26 through 28, the summary here of the Last Supper, this little snapshot is Jesus does something different it says and as they were eating Jesus took bread and blessed it and broke it and he gave it to the disciples and said take eat this is my body and he took the cup and gave thanks and gave it to him saying drink ye all of it for this is my blood of the new testament which is shed for many for the remission of sins I'm thankful for the blood of Jesus today Amen. And I want to preach to you this morning, before we take communion, I want to preach to you about the first Thanksgiving. The first Thanksgiving. I found this picture. It was actually a photograph taken at that time. It's the only one left. I had to enhance it with my computer to get some better color out of it. But I want to preach to you about the first Thanksgiving. Let's pray this morning that the Lord would have His way. Lord Jesus, we come before You thankful honored and privileged to be in your presence gathered together with your people and lord we know that your word is here your spirit is here and lord i pray that your spirit would have its way that your word would do its work that it would find the mark that it's here to accomplish lord i believe you and trust you for what you want to do that your word would change us and transform us god we give you praise for it in jesus name we pray amen you may be seated this morning we know at least uh Hopefully you know in part the story of the first Thanksgiving as we are getting ready to celebrate here in a few days. Hopefully you know some idea of what took place and of course as uh, our, our nation has gone on stories have become conflicted but basically to sum it up in a, a few words there were some settlers that crossed the Atlantic on the Mayflower. They settled on this land that we now live in and it was Uh, a a struggle when they came to this land it was an unfamiliar land in fact uh, I'm reading a very boring interesting book right now Uh, it's it's one of those books is is it's really it's it's well it's I I tried to explain to my wife the other day because it was talking about the development of wheat and barley crops in 9000 BC which is really boring but it's very interesting too it's pretty interesting but in this book that I'm reading, they've just uh, talked about the eastern United States as a place for crops and things to grow. And it says that, it, it said that there weren't many uh, uh, crops and many native plants that were uh, useful for human consumption or that were beneficial. And the ones they did eat uh, weren't, weren't beneficial. They didn't have a lot of protein. They didn't have a lot of nutrients. And so uh, this is, of course, is, is thousands of years after that. But it was still a very harsh Environment. In fact, they stayed on the boat for many months and they fought to survive over these first harsh months. And uh, only roughly half of them survived when they finally came onto the land and had settled. They, they, were, uh, they, they, they met up with local Indians who taught them some of the survival techniques, who, who taught them how to plant certain, certain crops. And come harvest time, those settlers, roughly again half of them who had crossed, They harvested their first crops in the new land that they had come to, and they joined with the native contingent here, and they celebrated and thanked God for bringing them through what they had been through. They thanked God that they had survived not just the journey, but survived settling in a new land. And we read in our passage, though not just uh, we didn't read in Bible in the scripture about that Thanksgiving, but we did read of another Thanksgiving. In our text. And the passage we read is the culmination of the meal that Jesus and his disciples shared to celebrate the Jewish ceremony of Passover. Passover was the time the Jews remembered their release from the slavery of the Egyptians, where they had been slaves for hundreds of years. And after their release, every year they celebrated and this Passover was commemorating their freedom that they had received from the Egyptians that God had secured for them when He sent the angel of death visiting the firstborn of every family. And the only way to escape the angel of death, the only way to be excluded from that tragedy was to have the blood of a lamb applied to the doorposts of your house. And this would cause the angel to pass over That house, hence the name of the ceremony. They were literally with the name celebrating when the angel of death passed by or passed over where they were, and God spared them and God set them free. And it was and it still is one of the most important times in the Jewish calendar. Thousands of Jews would gather in Jerusalem to celebrate this time, each participating in the Passover meal tradition, which was set up and instituted through the instructions that God had given to Moses. And it was for this meal that the disciples inquired of Jesus in the verses preceding what we read. They said, Jesus, it's time for Passover, where are we going to have the meal? And Jesus tells them to go into the town and they will find a man, they'll meet a man, and they should ask him if they can have their meal in one of the rooms that he had available. And so Jesus and the twelve disciples, they gather for the Passover meal in this room provided by this man. It was at this meal that Judas is revealed to be the betrayer of Jesus. And we do not know uh, uh, this meal is the Passover meal in our circles today as Christians, but perhaps you may have heard it called the Last Supper or the Last Meal since it was the last meal that Jesus would have eaten before His crucifixion. But I would like to submit to you this morning that it was not merely the Last Supper that the disciples and Jesus celebrated that day, but it was also the first Thanksgiving that we read about. You see, when the meal was finished, and it wasn't a meal like our Thanksgiving meal, it wasn't a meal where you were supposed to gorge yourself, there was specific things you were supposed to eat, so after Passover there was no scooting back from the table and loosening your belt, hopefully, or else Passover would not... Have any of you ever, you know, in some point We did this when I was a kid We would have a, not in our house But the church would kind of have a Passover meal celebration Ever? That's some weird stuff Like, you're not going to Oh, there's my dad right there I didn't see him come in My dad's there (laughs) Didn't mean to put that all together But, uh, uh, anyway See, uh, he's been listening to the podcast And thought he'd come uh, make sure I didn't say anything this week <laughs> but you 're not going to gorge yourself on on parsley and bitter herbs you 're not going to gorge yourself on boiled eggs, and if you do you 've got some problems coming so this isn 't really a meal that you would gorge yourself on, but when the meal was finished, we find where Jesus in this passage that we read he takes some bread and he takes some wine. This is not part of the traditional Passover ceremony. This is something different. The disciples know that, wait, this is not what's supposed to happen. This is breaking from protocol, breaking from tradition. And Jesus utters the words that we read. He takes the bread and he blesses it. Literally, the word means to eulogize. That's what we get. It was a blessing. He raises the bread or celebrates he, he blesses what that bread represents. And we understand that his, the bread represented His uh, literal body that was broken for you and I. But it also represents His body which is the church. And I think it would be alright if we celebrate... His body today. If we are thankful for the body today. I'm thankful for the church in my life today. I don't know where I would be without the church in my life. And I know that you can find God anywhere. But I'm thankful that I can find God in a church. Because in the church I can find strength. It's at the church that I can find encouragement. It's when I hear the word preached and it challenges me. It's where I can feel a power that I can't feel by myself. When the people of God join together and begin to worship God they begin to praise His name something begins to happen within me it's where I've received healing in my life it's where I've received miracles in my life it's where I've received deliverance in my life I'm thankful for the church I don't know where I would be without the church oh I think it would be all right if we thank God for the church I know we've got our problems I know we've got our issues but I'm thankful for the church that God has put me in oh I'm thankful Lord he blesses his body he blesses the church and we should never forget to give thanks for the church that we are a part of but then Jesus he passes the bread around but then he takes the cup and the word it says he gave thanks for it and I don't know if I've just never taken the time or never really inquired or perhaps in, 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 in apostolic circles we call it communion and not the Eucharist, which is a more traditional form uh, in the denominal world of what to call what we are going to do today. But the, I, I just began to look at this verse and the Greek word used for thanks, that he gave thanks, is the word Eucharistio, where we get the word Eucharist from. And so literally, literally if I can say the word is when people say we're partaking of the Eucharist, it literally means that we are thanking today. And Jesus took the cup and he said, Thank you for the blood. That's the subtitle. That's all I'm preaching today is thank you for the blood. I'm thankful for the blood of Jesus Christ. And as we celebrate communion today, as we take time out in this season to be thankful, I want to remind you to be thankful for the blood of Jesus Christ. Now we know communion is a time of remembrance, which it is, and Scripture tells us that we are to do this in remembrance, and so it is a time that we look back over what God has done, but I cannot simply remember, and we heard it this morning, I cannot remember without it doing something to my faith, without doing something to my gratefulness, my thankfulness. It should cause something to stir within me when I look back over my life and I think things over. I begin to say, Lord, I'm thankful for all that you've done in my life. And it's interesting to note too that that word for thanks has its origins all the way back in the word that we get for grace. And I'll just say that you don't know real thanksgiving in your life. It doesn't matter the top ten. It doesn't matter how great your family and friends are. You don't know what real thankfulness is until you have experienced God's grace in your life. Until you have experienced His mercy in your life. You don't know what thankfulness is. Because I know where I should be. And I'm not there. I know who I am. and yet He doesn't see me that way. I know all that's gone on in my life and He looks down and sees me in love and it's because of His grace that I can be thankful today. There's a thanksgiving that can only come from those who have experienced grace. And let me tell you, if you have not experienced His grace, today would be a great day to experience it for the first time. You can experience what it feels like to have His grace applied in your life. And it's here we see Jesus in this moment, for the first time that I can find in Scripture, He gives thanks for the blood of Christ. He has mentioned some strange things about the blood previously. He's told a group of followers that they can't really be followers of His unless they've drank His blood, and that freaked a bunch of people out, and they all left. We're not going to do that today. But this is the first time that He references His blood and thanks. And, and I don't, we don't have time to go into it. But it is a little strange that he is thanking God for the blood. Because it's his blood that's going to be shed. And yet he is still thankful for the blood. And he's thankful for what he's going to shed on Calvary. And I think part of it has to do with Hebrews chapter 12. Where it says for the joy that was set before him. As he could see past the sacrifice of the blood. And he could see you. And he could see I. And the result of the shedding of his blood. But this is the first Thanksgiving that we read about for the blood of Jesus Christ. And as we begin to think about the day that we're going to celebrate, there's many uh, uh, traditions involved with it. One may be going around the table or the room and stating what each is thankful for. And, And the kids probably have the best choices because we all know what the adults are going to say. Or, you know, you can just cover what we heard this morning. I'm just thankful for everything. We'll be more specific. Well, I said everything. But if you, if you have a tradition like that, or if you can think about it, if you don't, we, we tend to say, especially as adults, we begin to look at things that really matter at this time. You know, there's things that I like and I'm thankful for, but I really don't say those at the Thanksgiving table. Those aren't the things that I mention. Some of the things we mention are things about our spirituality, our family, our friends, or our health. We don't really mention material goods too much, although we may be thankful for a house or, or something like that. It, even things that, are, that seem to be a necessity at other times in our life. We don't really bring them into this, well, you've got to pick two things. We don't even bring some of those necessities into that moment. And really what we do is we go all the way back to the things that really matter. When everything is stripped away, what's the really important things in your life? If we could say it this way, what are the first things? And today I want to take you back... To the first thing as we celebrate Thanksgiving spiritually, and that is the blood of Jesus Christ. And I'm thankful for the church. I don't know where I'd be without the church, but I'm thankful for the blood of Jesus Christ too. If it wasn't for the blood, I wouldn't even be a part of the Church of God. But I'm thankful for His blood today. And I want to take a few moments to remind you of why you should be thankful for the blood. I want to take you back to why it really is important to be thankful for the blood in the. First First thing is, is that the blood justifies. It justifies. Romans chapter 5, verses 8 and 9. But God commendeth His love toward us, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Much more than being now justified by His blood, we shall be saved from wrath through Him. The simple explanation of justification, which you may have heard before, is just as if I never sinned. With this phrase, we get the idea of what God removes from us. We know that He removes my sin, that He casts it as far as the east is from the west. Isaiah 1.18 says, Come now and let us reason together, saith the Lord. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. I know that God removes my sins when I come to Him. And it's by the blood of Jesus Christ that my sin is removed. I can try whatever I want in my life, but I know that sin will not be removed. In fact, I have stains that prove that I've tried. You ever tried to get out a stain? And they say dab it, don't rub it. It doesn't make sense to me. I'll just go with it. We won't argue that point. I rub it. I dab it when my wife says you should dab it. And when she leaves, I rub it. Because I don't believe dabbing works. <laughs> Sorry, I just thought of that when I said it. <laughs> <laughs> But there's, if we look at our lives, there's probably points in our lives when you know that stain that you've tried to erase and you've got rid of it mostly, but you haven't got rid of it all the way. There's things in our life that we know are, 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 are just sins, but there's probably also stains in our life where we've tried to make things right on our own. And you may have made it a little bit better, but the only thing that can wash me white as snow is the blood of Jesus Christ. The only one that can cleanse me is Jesus. And the only thing that can do it is His blood. Isaiah 43, 25, I even I am He that blotteth out thy transgressions for mine own sake and will not remember thy sins. I'm thankful that He doesn't just cover my sins up, that He doesn't just erase them from my life but for His own sake. He says, I'm not going to remember your sins anymore. I want you to think about that. I want you to remember some of the stuff in your life that you have done, that you're thankful for, your testimony if you will. And God looks down and says, I don't remember that stuff anymore. I know it affects you sometimes even on a daily basis, but I'm blotting it out of my mind. I don't have any recollection of that. (laughs) There's some people that have done some stuff in here. That should do something to you. Because you don't want anyone else to know here what you've done. And God doesn't even remember what you've done when the blood is applied to what you have done. God has no recollection. The only righteous judge who could bring judgment in your life says, I don't know what you're talking about. I don't remember. I have put it under my blood. And I'm thankful that he does all that. I'm thankful that he removes sin. I'm thankful that he blots it out and that he doesn't remember it anymore. But justification is more than just the removal of sin in my life. <laughs> it's more than that. If that wasn't enough, justification is more than that. Because the word justified means to be made righteous. Righteous. <laughs> And see, I think we get a false idea. We just think we start with a clean slate. We just think we flip a new leaf. We just think when we come to an altar, God just wipes that. No, He does that. But it means to be made righteous. And I know a clean slate is not righteous. I know a new leaf isn't righteous. No, He doesn't just remove my unrighteousness, but He makes me righteous. His blood does something. It adds to me in my life. It gives me things in my life. When I think about healing, He gives me healing in my life. When I think about deliverance, He gives me deliverance in my life. I couldn't come before Him as holy. And yet now, I have access into His throne room. You see, He doesn't just remove. He adds something to me. So I can lift up holy hands in His presence. So I can stand without wrath or doubting. So I can stand and be accepted in His eyes. (laughs) You see, because I don't think we get the full view of justification when we think that God just takes us back to some place. The place where I had never sinned. Because that's a place that I've never been. Because I was born in sin. I was shapen in iniquity. So He doesn't just take me back to zero. No, He takes me back to zero. And then He builds me all the way back up again. He has made me righteous in, in my life. He has made me near where I was once far off. He has given me access where I had no access before. His blood is not just a reset in my life. It's not just a reformatting of the drive on your computer where it wipes it clean. No, he does all that. But then he rewrites my life and he puts something in there that wasn't ever there before. He takes a life that was crumbled and worthless and hopeless. And he says, I'll take all that and I'll give you purpose. I'll give you meaning. I'll give you life. I'll give you what you never had before. I'm thankful that the blood justifies me. It would have been enough if he would have taken my sin. But I'm thankful that he gave me purpose. I'm thankful that he puts callings in our life. I'm thankful that he gave me his spirit and the gifts that come with it. I'm thankful for what he's done in my life. Oh, why don't we thank him that his blood still justifies us today. That He doesn't just take away the wrong, but He makes me righteous as well. I'm thankful the blood justifies. I'm thankful the blood cleanses. We read the verses where it says He makes us white as snow. 1 John 1, 7 says, But if we walk in the light as He is in the light, we have fellowship one with another. And the blood of Jesus Christ His Son cleanseth us from all sin. Now, I know you've got to be walking in the light for this to happen. So you've got to turn towards God. You can't just live however you want. He just keeps cleansing you from sin. No, you've got to turn towards Him. But that word cleanseth is present tense. <laughs> And I'm thankful for that. Because you know what? Every day I need His blood to cleanse me every single day. I need it right now. I know I'll need it tomorrow. I know I'll need it next week. The blood doesn't ever quit working in my life. No, it will cleanse me in an altar in that moment. But it will keep cleansing me every single day of my life. It has the ability to keep working. That's why i got to keep repenting. Whenever I do something wrong, I have to repent every day. Paul says to die daily. What that simply means is, Lord, I need your blood to cleanse me all over again today. Amen. Hebrews 9, 9, though, says, Which was a figure for the time then present, in which were offered both gifts and sacrifices. Talking about the Old Testament. That they had to offer sacrifices that could not make him what did the, that did the service perfect, as pertaining to the conscience. Now, the sin thing I got, maybe, I I get that he cleanses me from sin, but this verse opens up a whole other world of what I don't really comprehend when I come to the Lord sometimes. Because we know the old law in the Old Testament, excuse me, chokes me up, the old system of sacrifice could not bring a total restoration of man with God. They would offer a sacrifice, and it was good until the next sin or until the next year, and then they would constantly have to keep renewing it. It did, however, it provided a temporary relief, a temporary hold on the punishment that their sin demanded, that when they did something wrong, they could make a sacrifice, and God did honor it. So they did experience salvation in part. They, they didn't ex- experience it like you and I have, where we can walk and live in, in salvation every single day, but they experienced salvation in part. And it was this that they were thankful for. Because it provided temporary mercy. When you read anything in the Old Testament. When you read the Psalms. When you read songs that were written. And they talk about His mercy enduring forever. And His grace. And His goodness. You just need to remember that they did all that. They said all that. They were that grateful. And all it was was a temporary hold. And you and I have something much more permanent in our life. And if they were that thankful, man, how much more thankful should I be today? Where the blood of bulls and goats did that. But the blood of Jesus Christ is not a temporary hold. No, it is something that can be applied every single day. But despite this temporary mercy, that was what God required. There was something Hebrews chapter 9 tells us. That this old system, although it withheld judgment for a while, although it gave mercy temporarily, there was something that those sacrifices could never touch. And that was the conscience. Now I want you to think about that for a moment. I want you to think about all the stuff that God has forgiven you of. And I want you to imagine that the blood never touched your conscience. Think about the things that replay in your mind that would have to be there. That intellectually you know the sacrifice was enough. But the blood of bulls and goats cannot touch your conscience. And so you constantly replay. And there's people that you know what I'm talking about. The guilt, the shame, the condemnation. The blood in the Old Testament can never touch condemnation. See why I'm thankful for the blood? That voice inside, that condemnation that we feel despite repentance even sometimes now. Knowing, even knowing what scripture says about God's forgiveness. It's that voice that brings things up when you're alone. When it's quiet in the night. That reminds you of hurt and pain that you have endured or inflicted on others. It's the internal voice saying things that can never or rarely be spoken out loud. It was those things that the Old Testament could never touch. People simply had to learn how to live with the consequences and their own conscience. They had to make peace themselves. Because the blood could not do it. It wasn't powerful enough. It was natural blood. And so they had to come up with a natural solution to their conscience. They had to go to the self-help section of the bookstore. They had to go to retreats and seminars and lose themselves in false realities. Because the reality was, is they could never have their conscience touched. They just had to deal with it. But Hebrews chapter 9, verse 14, a few verses later, how much more, oh, how much more shall the blood of Christ Who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God. Purge your conscience from dead works. I'm thankful that the blood cleanses me. Not just my sins. But he can give me peace of mind. He can come in. And those things that have hounded me. And bothered me for years. The blood can cleanse me. The blood can do something about that. Oh I'm thankful the blood cleanses. It speaks really, and I won't get into graphic detail, but it speaks of a medicinal cleaning and expunging of harmful things from the body because the blood of bulls and goats just made you look all right on the outside. People knew that you'd made the sacrifice or you were okay, but inside there was things still going on. But the blood of Jesus Christ reaches deeper. The blood of Jesus Christ reaches beyond the external. It reaches beyond the superficial. It goes down to my spirit it goes down to my soul it's a deep cleaning that takes place when the blood is applied and let me tell you if you let the blood today it will go past your current situation and it will strike at the root of your problems you think this is really what's going on but the blood says I can go beyond that I can heal bitterness I can heal unforgiveness I can heal resentment and guilt and I can touch condemnation and erase it it can cleanse it out of your life if you will let it. I'm thankful the blood cleanses in my life. I tell you, it removed hatred in my own life. It removed bigotry in my own life. It removed anger out of my own life. And I could have had my conscience condemning me every single day. But the blood of Jesus Christ is greater than anything else. And it reached where I could not. It reached beyond my own self-will and self-control. And it said, I'll make a peace that passes all understanding. The things that you mask but lie under the surface. Let me tell you, the blood can cleanse the victim. The blood can... There's situations and we can have people get up and if they were willing begin to tell of things that happen in their life and I don't have the first clue of how to tell them how to get better and I'm thankful that I don't have to have that but I know what I can do. I can tell them the blood can cleanse. The blood can go beyond my words. The blood can reach beyond and it can heal the hurt and the pain and the abuse and whatever it was the blood can cleanse you. Let me just say it the other way too. Maybe you're on the other side of that. You're not the victim, but you've been the abuser. You've been the one who has wronged and not been wronged there have to be people that fit in that category for them to be be victims. There's people that you know you've done wrong to people in your life. You've done things that are reprehensible in your life. Let me tell you, it's not just the victim that the blood reaches to. No, it can cleanse anything in your life. It can reach to the deepest, darkest parts of your life. The blood of Jesus cleanses. If I let him, he'll make me a new creature. He'll give me a mind that is transformed. He'll take away the condemnation. In my life, I'm thankful for the blood that cleanses in my life. I believe that this is what Jesus partially is referring to in John 10.10 10, when he says, I'm come that they might have life and they might have it more abundantly. I believe more abundantly starts dealing with those things of guilt and condemnation and all of those things that people don't see on the surface. But that's all right because the blood can go beyond it. And because of the blood, I can have eternal life and life more abundant. I'm thankful for that. And I'm closing this morning. I'm thankful that his blood testifies. I'm thankful his blood testifies. <laughs> I'm thankful that it justifies. I'm thankful that it cleanses. But I'm thankful that his blood testifies. In testifying in front of the Sanhedrin in his trial, Jesus states, This is the the, the last few moments of Jesus' life. He tells the the those gathered there that the temple will be destroyed. But then it's going to be rebuilt in three days. Of course, we know what this means. We can see the typology as Jesus is three days in the tomb. Of course, they have no clue. They just think it's more blasphemy coming from his mouth. And he states that a new temple will be built in three days, one made without hands. And this just flabbergasts everybody because the temple had taken uh, years to build. And this guy is going to destroy it and then rebuild it without hands in three days. The writer of Hebrews tells us that as long as the physical temple stood Representing the old way of approaching God, man cannot approach God however they wanted. That physical structure was actually impeding man from getting to God. They had to approach God through the old system and sacrifices and rituals. But the writer of Hebrews, he goes on to tell us that Jesus came as a high priest of a greater tabernacle. One not made with hands, not a physical building. And you and I understand that today, that we do not meet in temples, but we are the temple of Jesus Christ. Not a physical structure, not one that's made with hands, but we are something spiritual fit together. We understand that Jesus' death was the symbolic destruction of that old temple. That the temple was not literally destroyed, but when His body was destroyed, that was the symbolic of the old temple, the old system, the old way of doing things being destroyed. And His resurrection, we understand, brings about a new approach, a new way to get to God through Jesus Christ and through His blood. And it was His death that changed all of that. It was His blood that changed everything. His death and His blood brought about something different as they come to the music this morning. Hebrews chapter 9, verse 15. As I was reading, I thought, maybe I could just read all of Hebrews 9 and Hebrews 10. But, I didn't. But I am going to read several verses and just bear with me because it gets a little wordy. And for this cause... He is the mediator of the New Testament, that by means of death, for the redemption of the transgressions that were under the First Testament, they which are called might receive the promise of eternal life. For where a testament is, there must also of necessity be the death of the testator. For a testament is a force, if I read it real fast, it'll sound like the um, things at the end of the commercial. You know, they read real fast, the legal stuff. That's what this sounds like. For a testament is a force after men are dead, otherwise it is of no strength at all while the testament liveth. See? Call the law offices of. <laughs> and that's really what it's doing. It actually is kind of a legal argument that's being made here. Whereupon neither the first testament was dedicated without blood. So the, the Old Testament, which he's calling the first testament, it had to have blood involved with it. For when Moses had spoken every precept to all the people according to the law, When he he gave the law to the people, he took the blood of calves and of goats with water and scarlet wool and hyssop and sprinkleth both the book and all the people, saying, this is the blood of the testament which God hath enjoined unto you. Now, what all that means, all that legalese in KJV, what that simply means, states, is that God has an inheritance for each of us. Where a testament is. That just simply means... There's a will or an inheritance. There is an inheritance. But the inheritance is worthless until the giver of the inheritance, the one who has made the will, dies. For a testament is of force after men are dead. Otherwise it is of no strength at all while the testator liveth. That's why when someone tells you that they've made a will, maybe your parents, and they tell you what was in it or that you're part of it, then they say, now don't knock us off. Because it's not into effect until you knock him off. Some, something has to die first. It's worthless until that point. But with his death, now all of a sudden, it, valify, it validifies and it allows me to have the inheritance because of his death. Until he died, that inheritance was just a far off promise. But when he died, all of a sudden the inheritance, I can say, is mine. (laughs) Whatever will you're part of, however great or smaller it is, you can say, I'm a part of that will, but you get no benefits from it until a certain moment. But in the moment of death, you get the benefits of that will. You get the benefits of that testament. And when Jesus Christ died on Calvary... When he said it is finished, it meant that the book has been closed. (laughs) Now the inheritance can be yours. As great as having his spirit is, as great as experiencing salvation is, experiencing forgiveness is, having my conscience cleansed, there is something even greater in store for me. Hebrews uh, 1 Corinthians 15, 19. If in this life only we have hope in Christ... Now, I'm thankful for hope I have in Christ now. I'm thankful that I can put hope in Him. That my situations can change because of Him. That I can be a new creature because of Him. I'm thankful for that hope. But Paul says, if that's all the hope I've got, I'd be of all men most miserable. Because it's going to (laughs) end. But now is Christ risen from the dead and become the firstfruits of them that slept. If all I have is hope in this life right now. If all I have is the experiences whether they're good or bad or divine in this world, Paul says I would be of all men most miserable. But I'm thankful for his blood because his blood testifies. His blood states that it, it and it says that his blood is the evidence that there's an inheritance That was promised to you and that was promised to me. And because blood was shed, that inheritance can now be mine. And I know I can trust His words. I know I can stand on His word. But He said the word itself is still not enough. I want you to have a sign. I want you to have a testament. I want something to testify that what I said is true. And so He gave us His blood to testify. And so every time the blood affects my life, it testifies of something greater to come. His blood heals. You know that? That's part, I'm not talking about everything the blood can do. His blood heals, but let me tell you something. When I come to an altar or when I pray wherever I am, His blood and it touches my life, it heals my body. His blood is not just healing me, it is testifying in that moment. And it's saying something miraculous. It's saying, I'm going to heal you now. But I haven't given you hope in this world alone. Because there's a day coming when there will be no more sickness. You see, His blood doesn't just want to heal you now. It's testifying of a day to come when there will be no more sickness. No more sorrow. No more death. No more tears. His blood testifies to me. And so when I'm in a situation and I can't understand and I don't know what's going on and His blood comes in and washes and cleanses my mind, it reminds me and testifies to me of a day coming where there'll be no more trouble, where there'll be no more heartache, where there'll be no more confusion. I'm thankful that his blood testifies because if all I had was hope in this world, I would be of all men most miserable. I'd be thankful for healing. I'd be thankful for those things. But I've got so much more in my life. I've got an inheritance and I know it's mine. It's incorruptible. That means it doesn't perish. It's being kept and guarded for me to the very day that he returns. Oh, I'm thankful that His blood testifies to me. (laughs) You see, His blood reminds me of what awaits. And see, that's why it's important. We're getting ready to take communion here. Because I know it's important to remember. I understand that. Scripture says we should remember the Lord's death until He comes. If all I do is say, thank you, Lord, for what you did. And don't ever remember what he's going to (laughs) do. You see, when I take that cup, when I take that wafer, whatever flavor it may be, however dry it may be, I'm not just thanking the Lord for his body that was broken. I'm not just thanking the Lord for his blood that was shed. But I'm looking ahead to a day when he welcomes his bride home. Because that's what that cup of juice testifies to me. Is that there is something greater coming. There is something more miraculous coming. So I'm going to keep living for the Lord. I'm going to keep being faithful. I'm going to keep trusting in His blood. And the power of His blood. Because that's the evidence. That's the testimony. That He's returning one day. That He's going to take me to eternity. To be with Him. I'm thankful for the testimony of His blood. Reminds me of what's being kept for me. What's being prepared for me. Communion is not a ritualistic time. It's a relational time. and That's demonstrated by the phrase I already mentioned. Till he comes. If my hope was in healing, I'd be in all men most miserable. If my hope was in deliverance, I'd be of all men most miserable. If my hope was in financial security, I'd be of all men most miserable. It doesn't say until, until happiness comes, until healing comes, until sorrow passes away. This is why it's not ritualistic, it's relational. I'm not waiting on anything. I'm waiting on Him. That's why I'm not remembering an event. I'm not looking forward to an event. I'm looking back to what he did for me. And I'm looking forward to what he's going to do for me, his return. It's a moment of anticipation until he comes. So on this first Thanksgiving, as I look at it, I don't just look back at what he's done. Although that does build my faith. It does give me strength for the step I need to take. But I also look towards Him. And what He has in store. I remember what He's done. But I also hear a testimony of the blood. And it proclaims He is returning someday. It proclaims that there is something greater so as I partake of the Eucharist of the thanksgiving I need to let it be a moment of thanks of looking ahead to what he has in store for me anticipating his soon return as we stand this morning I'm thankful for the blood of Jesus Christ I'm thankful that it justifies me That it doesn't just wipe the slate clean, although I'm thankful for that. But it gives me something too. It adds to me. I'm thankful that His blood cleanses. And you'd be lying if you said there weren't things in your life. Just put real simply, these are the things that you could probably come to the altar for right now and repent for again if you've got those things those are the things the blood needs to cleanse because he doesn't want you to walk in a constant state of thinking that you need to ask for forgiveness for something he's already forgiven you for you need to let your conscience be purged that doesn't mean that you forget it it's not some magic wand no but you don't have to walk under the weight of that anymore and his blood will cleanse and purge your conscience today if you'll let him and His blood testifies. It testifies until He comes. Oh, and I'm looking forward to that day. Wherever I am right now, whatever, whatever circumstance I'm in right now, when I see His blood, I'm reminded that my hope is not here right now. I'm reminded that even if the Lord doesn't do what I want right now, that's not where my hope is. No, my hope is in something eternal. It's in something greater. I look towards Him, the author, and the finisher of my faith today. And I know they're ready to take communion, but I want us to pray. I want us to pray because I think there's people here that maybe an altar is what you need. Maybe you need to realize what God has added to you today. Maybe you need to realize that you, have, you do have purpose. You do have calling. You do have things added to you. Maybe you need your conscience cleansed today. His blood, I'm a testimony of that. That His blood will cleanse your conscience and give you peace where you shouldn't have peace. It'll do it today. I want us to pray right now all over this place. Lord Jesus, we're so thankful to be here in your presence. Lord we're thankful for your blood today from that first moment where you gave thanks for the blood Lord that's what I want to continue every day in my life Lord I'm thankful for your blood Lord that you justify that you cleanse Lord that there's a built in hope that when it comes with your blood and Lord I pray right now Lord that your blood will seep into somebody's heart in life today Come on, this altar is open. If you need to pray for a moment, this altar is open this morning. Maybe you need the blood to do a work in your life. It's here to do it today. Come on, don't let it be another moment. Don't let it happen another day. No, Lord, I need you today. I need you to cleanse my mind today. Lord, I need you to wash my sins away today. And he is faithful and true to forgive. Come on, maybe you need to let His blood encourage you in the middle of your circumstance right now. Maybe you just need a fresh view of His blood and what it testifies to. That there's something greater. There's something more powerful. Something more eternal that's happening. And so Lord, because of that hope I have, I I stand firm one more time. I'm going to stay rooted and grounded.